This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 161, Finding God in a Crazy World with David Butler. This is an encore presentation of episode 98, which was originally published in July 2020. There's a good chance you have and use the Project Life app. You know that bringing your photos and written memories together in the palm of your hand with this app is pure magic. The finishing touch of all that documenting that you're doing in the app, of course, is actually printing those pages. We are huge fans of the photo books, and if you have yet to order one, we highly recommend it. They're gorgeous. Ordering happens intuitively and entirely in the app and ships right to your front door. Having said that, we know that there are plenty of documents projects that make more sense to print individual pages instead of bound photo books. Absolutely. Hey, I'm regularly sharing that kind of app inspiration on Instagram, so watch for it. Now, in light of those individual pages you're printing directly through the app, you should know that the basic products you need to support your app documenting are in stock and available in the BH shop. Albums, page protectors, even envelope pages to hold memorabilia and dividers to keep your memories marked and organized. It's all available at shopbeckyhiggins.com. Friends, make those pages and print those pages. Between the app and the BH shop, we have got you covered for all your documenting needs. Welcome to the show, David Butler. We're so happy that you're with us. Thank you. I feel honored. <laughs> We're already laughing. I don't know what's what's going to happen. We don't know with him, I actually. don't really know, but I know it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Um, why don't you give us a little introduction on yourself so that anyone who doesn't know of you already is going to feel like your best friend immediately. Which is 95% of you, no doubt. Uh, so like, I like how you said that, like I was Tom Cruise or something. I mean, because to us, <laughs> you are. Like, we really enjoy hearing you speak and find a lot lot of value in your work, hence we want you on the podcast. Oh, so you're here. We're so excited for everyone else to discover the magic yes. of it. So I yes. am your Tom Cruise. Listen, right. I almost no one knows this because this is audio, but I have a big old black eye. It's awesome, and I was going to wear these sunglasses that I bought at the dollar store because I lose <laughs> sunglasses professionally. And oh. Jenny was, I was like, I'll just wear these. How about I wear these to the podcast? And she oh was gosh. like. Uh, they're a little Top Gun. And I was like, and please explain why that's a problem. Like, what am I wearing them inside? So who are you? What do you do? Tell us all the things. Don't forget anything. Like, tell us the books, the projects, like what your work scope is, and also who you are as a person. Uh, Just a normal. That is all I am. It's just a normal. Um, I, most of my time is spent, I'm married to Jenny. Six kids, um... Jenny, oh, are you really, I just, I was going to say this about Jenny and I just remembered again. Her like spiritual gifting is steadiness. She's mm-hmm. just steady mm-hmm. and like calm and like unwavered by like anything. Things like she's just like fine, you know, that's all the time. That's a huge thing right now when there's so much that's not steady right. about this existence. Right. right? For all of so us. much. That's and she's just thing. got this like, oh, we are, and I'm. The exact opposite. Like yesterday, somebody said, compare me to a leaf. And they're like, wherever the wind blows, that's where you'll find David. Like you are, Hmm. I'm erratic, emotional. Like I'm the Hmm. fighter. I'm the, you know, um, I always try to pick fights with Jenny and she never wants to, like she'll never engage. Do you pick fights because it's like 
fun. Fun. Yeah. I'm totally the same. Yeah, just for fun. I no, was it's just like, like don't you it's think... like a fun little banter. Like right. it's just like, yeah, this feels yeah, it feels engaging. Right. I, I relate to that. My husband is also the steady of our relationship. I think you need both. Without him, we would all blow away. Truly. There's gotta be that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the way you think of steadiness. And I um I love the thought behind what you're saying about her steadiness. But there's also a different type of steadiness and consistency with how people are about certain things. So you are yourself actually very steady in your faith, for your example, value, yeah. and your values. Yeah. So well, there's different ways you. to think about yeah, steadiness. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. Good thought. But you're more all over the place, is what you're I saying. Everywhere else. Yeah. I think yeah. there's different expressions of steadiness. Like, mm-hmm. like you were saying, um, you know, faith is a really good example because it is kind of the rock that grounds you. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain steadiness some people have, like beyond that, with with things or emotion or the changing tide. You know, you look at what's going on in the world right now. I go on, you know, we're both on social media. You go on social media and I, like, I'm so happy and then I want to cry and then I'm angry with myself and then I'm ashamed and then I'm proud of myself. Like, all these different things go through my mind and I have to, like, almost make a conscious effort to channel through the emotions of, like, what I'm reading and how it relates to me as where some people really don't have to do that like they can they're unaffected by like all the input Mm. that comes in there's a lot of input yeah yeah input is the nice way to say (laughs) what is happening you know yeah Yeah. because it's just like oh wow because you do kind of want to run away sometimes from what is happening but it's like wait what good is that if you run away from it you know but you're tempted to because it's like whoa there's like a lot that's like but honestly this is like this is true about me I figured it out a couple of years ago that um like I I was in um a leadership position in my own you know church congregation yeah congregation for a while and um someone's like was that so hard you know do people come to you with all sorts of like you know problems and you're and you're meant to like pastor these people and try and like help you know help them through they come to you for spiritual advice you know and like, was that hard? Was that overwhelming? Was that, and I was like, do you know what? I was gifted early on in my life, just this belief that um, God is bigger than all these things, you know? And and not to say that I that will like, w- like step away emotionally or anything, because I think people need you to emote with them. And I think yeah. that there needs to be empathy and there needs to be all of those things. So not in a sense of like, oh, don't worry, you know, because like people will hurt and they will struggle and they will like drown and they like all these things will happen but I honestly like have this deep bedded like deep-seated belief that like oh God's bigger than this and even if it is tragic he'll find a way to turn it for good mm-hmm. somehow always right somehow some way yeah. like I just like live with that um hope I mm-hmm. guess hope's kind of a one of my favorite words mm-hmm. because it's just it says to me like um, things don't look okay right now, but like I'm settled in the core. Right. You know, I completely like peripherally. I'm like, ah, right. But like mm-hmm. when I like sit and think for a second, I'm like, oh, I actually feel like settled, mm-hmm. like deep inside. I That's love that you brought way up to describe that. the, the bigness, the, the, um, the um, immense nature of, of God's love and in that kind of bigger, broader perspective, because I think that equal parts makes you feel um, so much hope and that hope fills you. And also in the very best way, it breaks it down to like you were, you were referencing, you were in a leadership position in church, but um, 
that really each of us individually as children of God, like our role and our, our, our place in that grand perspective of like parent-child, a father in heaven and, and a child on, on the earth. I think that perspective for me has been um, humbling, but also it breaks it down because it takes away all that extra stuff and structure and it takes it down to like, wait a minute, this is a very simple story about love, about grace, about mercy, and it helps me to kind of frame um, all those things that are going on in the world. Well, that perf- perfectly kind of leads into um, what maybe would be a good place to go. I think that that goes into what you were saying with right now, how with everything that is going on, you actually can feel and do feel, and we feel the same way. There is that security and that steadiness and that calm and that peace and that hope that you actually can feel in a mm-hmm. world full of all sorts of awry things. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's not an appropriate word for what's going on in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do you think, David, is a good way for someone who feels totally disoriented in a messed up place to um, find a little more hope? It doesn't happen in a big way overnight. We, we all know right. that. But how can someone reach for a little more hope and have a little bit more peace of mind? Well, I like recently I've been thinking about um, that phrase that Paul uses in the New Testament where he just says um, hope. And particularly he's talking about a hope in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, not just as like a hope it doesn't rain tomorrow type of hope. But like a, uh, like a biblical definition of hope is different than just like a, yeah. like a wish you know, or a whim or like, oh, wouldn't that be nice type of thing. But like a secure kind of belief in in who he is. And and maybe let's just say this right here, which is um, Paul does a good job of this, of pointing us to the cross, where he just says, if you ever wonder if God is an abandoning type of God or one who's forgotten about you, fix your eyes on the cross. That is an image and a picture of a God who will not let you go. And, And at any cost, he is for you. Like you can be sure of it. So whatever life looks like right now, if you can fix your mind and heart on that image of what his character is like, that is what kind of can secure you. And he calls it an anchor to the soul. You know, hope is an anchor to the soul. Um, Sandra Bullock wants hope to float. You know, she did that movie. And every time I see that title, I'm like, yep. that's, that's not true. Right? Hope does not float. Um, hope is an anchor. Like it can it, it can secure you. And it's not just, it really isn't wishful thinking because like you were saying, the, the, um, the, there is something about understanding that relationship that is, that helps you feel secure, you know, like it's an actual security. It's an actual like, like I, it doesn't mean you won't feel pain. It doesn't mean you won't feel worry. It doesn't mean you won't feel confusion. Um, actually, all three of those are necessary, I think, in a relationship with God because they point you to him. Like if you didn't feel any of those things, why would you be looking for an anchor? Right. You know, so they actually are, they're not negative parts of, you know, life. They're actually like, wait, I could never have trust. I could never reach for hope unless there was a reason you Unless know you were I needed to right yeah totally or, and so I, I I really really honestly believe that I think uh, um there are a lot of great solutions that are out there and we should keep reaching for them and looking for them and everything but at the heart and soul 
Uh, I mean, just at the at the base level, I really believe that everyone on earth is part of a human family, um, and and we have God the Father, and and there's you know they are over this, you know, and so if that's true, if we really are from God, then that means that our security will be found in God, and our greatest satisfaction will be found in Him. Like mm-hmm. if that's really true, that we are you know, children of the divine, then that means that that's what we actually need. It's what our souls actually are hungering and yearning for. So let's say I'm a person of faith, and and I am, but let's just say that there's someone listening who's a person of faith. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They know that the world is upside down right now. They do want to look to the cross, as you say. They want to feel that faith and that hope but they're feeling that angst. It's like overruling. What are some baby steps that you would recommend? Some small things that this person could do to just get them a little closer to understanding how to better take advantage of that relationship with the Savior. Oh, I I actually think it's um, super simple. Like, I don't think that there's much that, and and for every person will be a little bit different. For me, I connect so well, like with God through music. And so if somebody says to me, like, what you need is time in your Bible, you know, I would say like, okay, that might be really awesome for you. Mm-hmm. But like the thing that connects me the most is to, is to find like, it just creates like a, a connection in a really unique way. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say to somebody, what, wh- how do you look to him? How do you bring his influence and his spirit into your heart and into your home? Like and we're all like just sewn together differently. And yeah. so we'll like try a bunch of things out. You might like you might really connect with meditation. You might really connect with prayer. You might really connect with but I, I think the word I keep saying that I'm just realizing is connection. Right. So how do you connect with with him? And if someone doesn't know what they what that looks like for them to connect, I think what you're saying, and we would agree, is that if you tap into your own memory of experiences that you've had yourself already with feeling that connection, the key word is remember. Mm. Go back to remembering that time when you felt a profound connection with God, for example. What was that? Was it in scripture? Was it in prayer? Was it through music? Was it through a friend? Was it through just a personal, you know, just a feeling while you were driving? And I think that sometimes remembering how we have had those profound experiences is what causes us to go, oh, that's actually how I feel stronger mm, in my a, connection with him. Yeah. And then you just said something that I think I think I, I want to just elevate. And that is where you said through a friend, like we are relational beings. Mm-hmm. It's what we are. And I actually I've been thinking about this all week, actually, that um, I think the best way we experience God is in loving other people and if someone's just like it's just not it's i just don't like my first suggestion actually might be like reach out and show love and compassion Mm. empathy to another person and i i honestly think i was like oh that's where that's where it's that's where you experience god most deeply is in loving other people i I think that is true. I think what's interesting about that is, and I love that you said that because I totally believe exactly what you're saying. If you're really, really super lost, there's 
there's no way to not feel true love um, in a grander sense than when you're serving someone because in essence you're you're doing God's work right I want to break this down a little further though because we're talking about connection but um, I remember early in my kind of spiritual journey discovering who I was discovering who God was what our relationship to each other was I had a lot of um, I had a lot of fear now that I think about looking back I was so afraid to connect with God for fear that I was going to offend him, hmm. for fear that I wasn't good enough, for fear that he was this omnipotent, like, ruler that really had very little interest in my, like, day-to-day stupidity, I hmm. guess, for lack of a better term. And what really changed me was really understanding the relationship of who God is and what his relationship is to me, and that I... Um, I, I mean, I don't like the word entitled, but it totally is appropriate here that I am entitled, like you were saying, we're divine children of God. Um, I am entitled to that connection, like just me and my Father in heaven. That connection is extremely real, separate from whatever religion you choose to express your faith, or if you have no religion that you're expressing your faith. That relationship of heavenly parent to child exists whether or not you acknowledge it exists whether or not you think you're worthy of it and um something that really helped me was i stopped i stopped having fear that that god wasn't real i realized my whole life i was like acting like well what if it isn't real what if there isn't a god who loves me and i was acting from that place of fear and when instead i looked to everything good in my life, like Becky was saying, looking back at all those pure moments of goodness in my life and instead looking for evidence that Heavenly Father did exist. It changed everything. And then I was able to really progress in my journey. But what I came to realize is, you know, of course, we want to love and respect and fear of God, I know, is a phrase that people use all the time. But at the end of the day, he's my dad. Like, he's my dad, and he wants me to talk to him and tell him all the things and he wants to bestow wisdom on me like my own father would. And, and it's this relationship that we make, I think, really overcomplicated. And it's actually very simple, right? Like we have a perfect love that we can tap into. And when we tap into that perfect love, all of the fear, all of the self-doubt, all of the blocks that we put in place for ourselves that keep us from really being connected to God start to fall away. Because we're not acting from a place of like, we don't have to earn our place in heaven, right? Like right. the love already exists for us regardless. Right. right. And when we kind of sit in that place, it becomes so much easier for me to to have that communication because I'm the one who blocks myself with self-doubt and fear and all of these things. Yes. And, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, was, I just was thinking like um, just this last Christmas, you know, I was looking around and just like all of my kids are little right now. Well, some are getting a little older. Um I'm becoming a real life adult. Everybody. <laughs> Congratulations, so you know. Thank oh, man. You. Thank you. Welcome. Um, but I just was noticing that, like, on Christmas morning, there were all these gifts that we were giving, you know, all the kids, and they were just accepting them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what happens to adults hmm. when all of a sudden, when someone wants to gift them love, wisdom, whatever it Even is, a compliment? A compliment. Right. They're just like, they don't feel like yeah. worthy of it. They're just like, oh, no, 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 no. That's too much. And I was like, kids never do that. They right. never like get gifted something and think, oh, no, no, no. They just love the giver. Mm. Right. Right. They're just like, this isn't about them. 
when, so, when, when God wants to love us, it's not about us. It's about like, oh, he, it's about him. Right. right. He is just love the giver. Like yeah. it's more about him than it is about us. And it's just. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I'm so trying to figure that out. Like, because I wonder if it comes from a place of like, I think we over, well, I think we overemphasize humility in a very distorted way sometimes um, where we think that if we accept that then it, it's saying that we think we're worthy of it. And when we think we're worthy of things, then it, it becomes pridefulness and unrighteousness. And I think that's one of the biggest spiritual myths out there is that of exactly what humility is and exactly what pride is. Recognizing and accepting love from God or a compliment or a gift is exactly what Heavenly Father wants you to do. Um, I always take it back to this analogy of, you know, I pick my kids up from school and they get in the car and I say, how was your day? How was your day? I'm so excited to hear from you. And they're like, it was good. Because they know that's what I want to hear. Or they say, it was great. I did my homework. I did all these things. And I understand it's not, it's not a genuine conversation we're having. And, or, or they don't answer, right? And I think how Heavenly Father must feel on that same token when we go to pray and we just say the things that we think he wants to hear. Or we just say the things, or we don't, we, we don't say anything for fear we're going to say something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. When really, what do I want from my kids? I want them to spill their guts. I want the good, the bad, the ugly, the insecurities, because I want to be able to love their brains out. And when I do love their brains out, do I want to hear them say, like, I, I'm not really awesome. Like, I'm not, mom, it's fine. Like, it's all, I hate when that happens. It's so frustrating to me because I'm like, how do I take this love in my heart and get it into your heart so that it's useful <laughs> instead of like blockading it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think Heavenly Father must feel when we do that and we will not accept that love. But sometimes we wear that mask of like, I'm humble. So I don't, I don't want to accept it because I'm not worthy of it. And because I'm not worthy of it, that makes me then connected to God. Mm. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I think that's a big what? myth that we run circles yeah, around. And, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's an interesting type of pride, actually, because it's so focused on yourself right. instead mm-hmm. of on Him. And I think if we would get just the focus off of ourselves and onto Him, yeah. that might be the key. Because right. like when somebody doesn't, if somebody's saying like, oh, I'm undeserving of this. It's mm-hmm. just like, you're so focused on you. Why are you focused on your undeservedness and not on how gracious he is? Mm -hmm. Like take it off of your lack and move your focus onto his abundance. And Mm -hmm. and I feel like it could be that it really is so simple. And I I, I should say I am I'm one of the lucky ones that I grew up with parents who um, were in the image of God, Mm -hmm. like they loved the way he does. And so it made it really easy for me to like relate to like a parental God in heaven. And I know a lot of people don't have that. And they they have a hard time like believing in a father God because of their experiences. You know, Mm -hmm. I had an abusive father. I had a neglectful mother or something like that. And it's like really tough for them to do that. And to those people, I would say, oh, you have to look to someone else who kind of filled that, you know, that, that role for you so that you could do that. But I was lucky. So it made it. Um, pretty easy but being a parent like not uh, aware a parent a dad becoming a dad has honestly taught me more about the character of God I think than anything else because I I just like I remember this one time um, that I came into my room and there was this note on my bed and it was these little torn out pieces of um, from a little 
notebook, mm-hmm. you know, from a Hello Kitty notebook. Aww. Actually. <laughs> no less. Yeah. Um, and, and stapled or taped together yeah. on the side, like a little booklet. Mm-hmm. And on the front, Dear Dad, in this green marker mm-hmm. with a backwards mm-hmm. letter, you know, in there, backwards E. And I opened it up and it said this. What happened was this. This is what he wrote. What happened was this. I took your laser pointer um, out of your drawer. For the record, I didn't even know I had a laser pointer. I was like, oh. I was like, well, I've been missing that. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know I owned one of those. Um, I took your laser pointer from your drawer and took it to school and lost it. I think what happened is when I pulled out my lunchbox, it must have fallen out. He said, I went up and down every hallway looking for it and never found it. Tomorrow, I will go to the office and I will ask all the Mm. teachers. And if they don't have it, I will do extra jobs to buy you a new one. And then it said, um, love, Jack. And then at the bottom, it said, P.S., can you ever forgive me? Oh, my goodness. And I read that note and I just melted. And I just cried and cried. And Jenny came and she was like, what is wrong? And I said, read this. Because for the first time in my life, I've realized why God forgives so easily. Mm. It's because he's not a judge and he's not Mm -hmm. a boss. He is a dad. And I saw my relationship with God with new eyes and a new heart. And I, I ran into Jack's room and I woke him up. He was sleeping. And I just squeezed him I was like what and I thought to myself what a silly question for you to ask yeah what a silly question for you to think like that's not even on the table of will I yeah you know and it just anyways those experiences really have just taught me I was like this is what and it's interesting right so we were saying earlier this is kind of come in circle a little bit that you know our relationships with other people really help us experience God, in those sweet moments, they really give like picture to what, you know, that relationship with him can be like. Well, that's so much more profound than reading about it in a book. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to understand more of the nature of God. So I will read about someone's perspective on that. Great. Like you said, reach out to those resources, tools, there's information like we should definitely be, Mm -hmm. you know, you are that resource for me in my scripture study. You and Emily Bell Freeman, like that is a resource for me. But that is nothing compared to my own personal experiences within right. my relationships, like you said. And yeah. I think seeking after those opportunities to understand and feel those types of experiences for what they are instead of saying, oh, that's a cute note from your son. You actually took it and applied it deeply in, in relationship to who God is. And who he is to you. Yeah, and, and it happened just um, accidentally. You know, like I wasn't that day looking for like mm-hmm. some sort of like new right. understanding or new experience. Like I just, you know, it just happened. And I think um, patience might be a great, you know, attribute for people right now to just like, oh, just just wait. Like those experiences, they come. They're, they're, Jesus compares the, the, the spirit uh, like to the wind. You know, he's like, you don't know where it comes from Mm -hmm. and you don't know where it goes after. And you don't get to dictate when it shows up. And it just, if you just will like, you know how that though, how you can like on a non windy day still kind of sense the wind. Mm -hmm. If you were to go outside and just really focus and just stop, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like you would be able to. And so really that's what, that's the advice to people is just like, oh, just 
feel the wind, you know, mm-hmm. like just go and just and have those because you could grow up your whole life with somebody saying, God loves you. God is your father. You are a child of God. But then you have to have that experience where it's like, I mean, there's something different between you telling like a little girl, like your dad loves you. Mm-hmm. And the moment when he picks her up, twirls mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. kisses her on the cheek and says, I love you. Like those are two yeah. totally different experiences. Absolutely. And, and, t- and, and we are just waiting for those, those second type of experiences in, you know, in our life and it's good for people to tell us, you right. know, but like. Well, there's, you know, earlier when I talked about um, remembering, what comes to mind also is cultivating, one of our favorite words. But sometimes you have to cultivate those experiences through the acknowledgement of what's happening in the moment. Something Becky and I talk a lot about is helping remind people that we try to remind ourselves as well, which is don't ignore those feelings when they stir up. Mm-hmm. When you feel that nudge, you feel that little inkling of whatever it is in that moment. Don't brush it off. It's like you're saying, with stand still and feel the wind, even in, uh, not on a windy day. It's that. It's that mm-hmm. moment of just going, oh, I feel something. Like, what is yeah. that? Be curious about that. And, like, sit with it for a minute and be still with it for a minute. And really just um, let that work in you. That's I, I think that's something I think about a lot just because there is so much swirling around right now mm-hmm. that if we're not taking the time to acknowledge and notice the things that are really profound – we're missing huge, huge opportunities, not just in our faith, but in our relationships and our joy and our happiness. Yeah. And you're just making me think of how interesting it is that um, how often God uses that phrase throughout scripture to stand still. Mm-hmm. Like he says it to Moses and the, and the children of Israel at the banks of the Red Sea. When life looks so hectic. Mm-hmm. It looks so awful. Like there is desert to the left and right. There's an ocean in front of them and there is a destroying army behind them. Some people listening to this might feel like, oh, that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot with, of people you know, feel that way. With no way out, just chaos on every side. Mm-hmm. You know, and God's advice was stand still and see the salvation of God. Like just be still and 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 watch for it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is if you took a snapshot of that moment you know if you took a picture you were just up above with your drone mm-hmm. and took a picture of that moment and then you put it up on a wall and you said to everybody um label this picture <laughs> like people would oh. label it um disaster <laughs> right um you know horrific yeah. um you i would know. name it jesus take the wheel yeah right? exactly <laughs> like, get what, me out of here <laughs> what's so funny is god would take that picture and he would title it the edge of a miracle Mm-hmm. That's what he would call mm-hmm. it. He was like, you mm-hmm. think you're on the edge of destruction? You are actually on the edge of a miracle. And one that will be their story for generations to come. And it would not have been. No one would have had that type of trust and that type of like love for God had like that, it, that situation preceded the miracle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they will hang yes. on to that moment forever. So... I, I, I really feel like God uses moments like this that we're experiencing in history right now to like mm-hmm. emphasize like what his role is and who he is. And it's just like only in places like this and I, can we experience it. I have to add that here's, here's what that looks like in real life. 
when you can firmly believe that, which I do, and you understand through experiences that faith does precede miracles because you've experienced hell and back and you've recognized how things can come out on the other side, what that looks like for me recently, just, and I mean recent, like recent months, not years, but months when something really particularly challenging has come up and it's so hard and nothing pulls me out of the hardness in the thick of it, right? Because if you're in the thick right. of it, you've got, you've got to suffer a little bit. But my hope comes from my experience and knowing and feeling, I can't wait to see what comes of this. And that is a very odd, that's a very peculiar thing to think about when you're in the thick of a really difficult thing, but it's where I am in mm-hmm. my faith. I can struggle and it's hard and I know it's hard, but I can also say, I can't wait to see where this is going to lead me. And Becky and I have even had conversations like that, even through yeah. struggles in our personal lives with families, with kids, with work, with things like that. When things are really rough and rocky, we we can know in that, in that faith that we share, like, man, if it's this hard now, I can't wait to see what like what's on the other side. Well, and that's coming from a context of like a, a belief and trust that God is good. Yes. Right? Like yes. you could never ask that question unless you first believed that God was good. And you were saying earlier that like that has come to you because you are remembering times when yes. he has been good. And that is such that is the beauty and value of memory. Of like mm-hmm. I've seen when he's been good before. And so I can trust again that yeah. he's that he still is. A word keeps coming to my head because I know exactly what Becky is talking about is I think when the storms rage, when we're on, I love that edge miracle. That will be a picture in my mm-hmm. house and a lesson for mm-hmm. my kids. Um, I had that moment. Um, and actually, Becky was there when I had that moment that I have a extremely strong faith and belief and connection with God. And when I was faced with the most impossible task I had ever been faced with before when I was diagnosed with cancer and I had a blessing. The feeling was, was not like, it was a deeper definition of faith that the word that keeps coming to mind is to surrender. And when my faith was able to be tried to that magnitude and I was able to surrender to the love of God it changed everything like mm. that was the edge of my miracle because there it took it took a faith and a belief system that you know had been amazing and it made it even more real it made it more of a more of a reality like an actual reality um mm. in my life and so if anyone is out there feeling like they have desert on both sides an ocean in front of them and an army behind them this is truth, what's being spoken. You are on the edge of a miracle. And look, look and surrender. Surrender to the love that is there. I think sometimes we put boundaries on like what Heavenly Father will and won't do and what he does and doesn't care about. And I think that's all garbage. I think God's love is everywhere. He cares about everything. And it's it's never not present from our lives. But like you said, you need to take the moment of stillness to notice the wind. And when you notice the wind and when you surrender to the wind it will be able to guide you and you will see the miracles happen. Yeah, it's just interesting that like God can say in that place, stand still and take your eyes off the ocean, take your eyes off the sand, take your eyes off the army. And he says, see salvation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to capitalize when I read that story in Exodus, the S, to be an, another name for God. Mm-hmm. Stand still and put your eyes on on salvation. That word surrender, I have been studying this for like a, like a couple of weeks. Um, surrender uh, specifically? Uh, the word trust. Mm-hmm. And it, surrender is a trust word. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought right when you yeah. said it. I was like, oh, that's another trust word mm-hmm. that God is not interested in us getting things right mm-hmm. and doing things right and knowing things right. Like there's value in all of those. But the human experience, I think, is about learning how to trust and how to surrender to him. That is the purpose of this human experience, I think, is to learn how to like hand it over. I, I just learned this yesterday that um, the word amen that we use in church a lot and I wish we would use more. And you um, wish that we used it in a in a louder sense, don't yes, you? With clapping. Yes. And now I agree. I'm about to win you over to the word in such a way. I I grew up people teaching me that the word amen meant I agree. Okay. Which great. I will still say amen when I agree with something. I'm actually a little bit we come from a quieter church culture, and I am a louder worshiper. And so Jenny has to kind of quiet me in the pews. I love it so much. Because I, like, she was like, you can put your hands up, but they have to be pew level or lower. Mm -hmm. Like, we, 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 you're distracting people. Or maybe, here's just the thought, or maybe not. I know, right. I was not brought up in the church, and I'm very much what you're saying. And I have actually found um, a different way to pray in the past six months that has been so life-changing for me because I busted out of, like, the, the proper, posture of being yeah. on my knees. And now I pray with my head lifted towards heaven and my arms extended because for me, I receive. Like, oh, that yeah, is that's how your I style. That's, that's how my you're... stance. Mm-hmm. But I had to bust out of that. So maybe you lifting your arms is giving we'll someone like me permission, permission to be like, yes. wait a minute, I can pray <laughs> what feels right to me. I'm still vocal, though. Like, if I, right now, we're not, you know, attending church services because of the pandemic, you know. Yep. So you're the boss but of your own services. I am the boss of my church. services. And so <laughs> I was like, I was like everybody, <laughs> we, will, we will just, we will worship yep. how I worship I now. But I, I, if I like something that somebody says, yeah. I will, like, say, like, come on. I you know, love it. and I was like, "All right," or I'll yell out, "I believe that," yeah. you know. And then Jenny's t- like, "Tell like, people Jenny, where you're you from. You are not the boss of me. Like, <laughs> I will be the, I will be the boss of me." You're but, from okay. Texas, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. you gotta, yeah. you just gotta have so that context. Just, it's just in me, yes. ready to bust out at all moments of the day. But this is what I learned about the word "Amen," and yes. I'm so into it right now. Is the first time it's used is in Genesis 14, and it says that Abraham. Um, is as God has made promises to Abraham that seem impossible to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And Abraham's questioning those promises, you know, um, naturally, as mm-hmm. you would, mm-hmm. um, as we do, right? And, and then it says that Abraham believed the Lord. So he made, he poured out, he said, it doesn't look possible. You kind of look absent right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. But then after he poured out, which I think God wants us to do, like you were pour saying, your, uh, your kids after Don't school. Don't worry about like, your language or your posture or anything. Out, just right. talk. talk. And then after pouring out all of his doubt and question and everything, he ended on, it says, and Abraham believed the Lord. Mm-hmm. And believe in Hebrew is aman. That's mm-hmm. where we get amen mm. from. Amen is after all is said and done, I put it in your hands. Mm-hmm. 
And that is what like the words original roots were. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a trust word. Believe. We all the time talk about believe as a what word. Like, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. And believe in scripture is actually a who word. Where are you placing your trust? Mm-hmm. And it's in him. And, and that's, that's where that comes from. It's like when you say it, what you're saying is, I believe you. Like your character, who you are. I put my trust and I put my life and I put my heart in, in your hands. And that's what that means. And that mm-hmm. is a journey, right? Like there is this hymn. It's called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's an old Christian hymn. A lot of people might know it. If you don't, it's time for you to look it up. But there is a line in it that says, here's my heart, Lord, and uh, take and seal it. And and every time that I sing that line, I sometimes don't sing that line Mm -hmm. because I'm like, why am I so afraid to surrender Mm -hmm. to him? Why am I so afraid to hand over everything to him? And I don't know what percentage of my heart I've handed over, but that's the journey. That's the yeah. human experience mm-hmm. is learning to be able to give 100% of me And over. the beautiful part of that is when you, because I actually knew that about the word amen. I knew where you were going with that. Is, I didn't, and I want you to know you changed my life. That's uh, fine. I'll never say amen again without thinking of that. Yeah, isn't that I awesome? I love that. Isn't Sorry, that yeah. so much more yeah, Especially meaningful? after a prayer. Mm-hmm. Because it where becomes, you like, yes. you, like you were saying your own personal prayer, like mm-hmm. you just pour out, and then at the very end, your last word is, um, I put it in your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm. And no matter what happens... And I think Love that's it. the bigger lesson. The, the second part I wanted to bring up with the believe, with the amen believe, is that when you really start to practice this, and I will say, like, it's a practice. It's a, it w- For me, it was a shift of mind. And so it took practice and time and, and a lot of work to be able to, like, fully believe, believe the believe. But what the miracle of that was, what started happening, was when I put all my trust and love in a loving Heavenly Father and believed that and had hope in that belief, I was able to begin the journey to believe my worth as a child of God. Mm. Like it began, it became a cyclical thing of, Mm. I believe that you are, that you are love. You are, you are the embodiment of love and, and all, all that is good. And I trust and believe. And because of that, because I know that I am your child that that same love, that that same goodness is inherent within me. Mm-hmm. And Heavenly Father then be able was able to teach me in a different way about who I was, about my worth and all of our inherent worth as children of God. And it, it puts you in such, such a different place, not only personally, but in how you interact with humanity, in how you're anchored through trials, um, in all the information, the onslaught of everything happening, how it grounds you. Um, and I think my whole experience with the past three, four months of my life, what you were saying is being, is that what I've been feeling is to be still and feel the wind. Mm -hmm. That kind of sums up exactly how, how I have been dealing with all the things happening. Thinking about what you're saying back and then also going back to what you were saying, David, it's interesting that you mentioned, why am I so afraid to like trust him more? You know, I think that most people listening can probably relate to that. Certainly oh, we can. Mm-hmm. That fear of like, I don't know if my trust can be 100% there. And that kind of leads to a question that 
we'd love to ask you, and that is when it comes to the nature of God and the relationship that we have with him, in your experience of living and breathing God and loving Jesus as you do and teaching and speaking and authoring and all these things, mm. you've interacted with a lot of people and have guided a lot of people in their relationship with God. What do you feel in your experience are some of the most common misconceptions mm. or misunderstandings about him, about the nature of the relationship with him? Um, one recently, and I think that it's common, and I've just been thinking about it recently, is um, you were saying this earlier, Becky, that people are afraid of him. And and um, I, uh, someone asked me yesterday, they were just like, you seem to like take this position on grace first with God, always. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I've tried that with people. And then they come back and they say, but what about, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, it, what, you know, isn't sin, like the, all these kind of things. And I was like, I realized yesterday, I was like, wait, wait, I think people ought to fear sin. I do think they mm -hmm. should, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they should fear God. Mm -hmm. And I think a misconception is that God's out to get me. Mm-hmm. And that he's waiting for me to step over the line. Yeah. And he's and gathering evidence to keep you out me. of heaven. Right. But really, he's gathering every bit of evidence loophole available right. to bring you closer. To see, uh, one misconception is he is, um, you know, taking notes of uh, gathering evidence instead of a, he's a rescuer. Mm -hmm. That his role is not condemner. His role is savior. And, and I, and, and I, I could, I, and I, and, and. I can see that in myself, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm like, I, because it's true. And now that I can place my fear where it properly belongs, I, I think it leaves God's space open because there is a tangle inside people where they're just like, I know, but like wrong is wrong and bad is bad. And I'm just like, I know. And you should fear the consequence of sin. It leads to death. It leads to chaos. It leads to hurt. You should fear it, but you shouldn't fear God. The punishment comes from naturally from sin itself. Natural consequences. Not from him. Yeah. Right. That's He's how I'm the gonna rescue. Say. Mm -hmm. He's the rescuer mm -hmm. from what would naturally happen. And and scripture like will word things in a way where it's just like where it almost makes God, you know, the justice of God, the judgments right. of God. And that is a I've found is a poetic way. Of just saying, like, these are the natural consequences of the decisions that we make. So I think one of the big misconceptions about him is he's a scorekeeper. Yeah. And that he is, you know, mm -hmm. like, out, out to get us. Yeah. And I it's think it's because like, as humans, we want quantifiable data. So I want to know, like, there's that ugly human part of me that's like, I want to know exactly how many points I need to earn to assure my place in heaven, to assure, like, happiness on the earth and my place in heaven. And I think that's where the surrender comes in, is you surrender and let go of all the quantifiable data. Because when, when you're forgiven of a sin, you know, it says in the scriptures that God remembers it no more. That is such a hard concept for our human brains to grasp. It is, because we you know have I mean? a hard time not... And we oftentimes right. weaponize the scriptures against ourselves uh -huh. to prove our unworthiness. Mm -hmm. And when I think about that, you probably don't know this, Dave, but I, I find a lot of um, insight in, in how Satan operates and how he works in my life. And I use that to like, 
build my testimony of God and of grace and of mercy. It is mm-hmm. so empowering for me. And when I think about that, um, you know, I take it back to my kids. My kids really have taught me so much. But when, you know, my I have one son who is super hard on himself. He does one thing wrong and he's like, it's fine. He Like, I never have to punish him. He punishes himself. Hmm. And it makes me so mad because I'm like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to punish yourself. It doesn't mean you suck. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe the world anything. You learned a lesson and that's beautiful and wonderful and good. And how hard it is for our human brains to accept our goodness, to accept that love. And I do think that that, that self-doubt, that fear, if, if Satan can have Heavenly Father appear as a fearful being who's looking to, to squash us, I mean, where does that leave us? Fear, fear and faith cannot coexist, and so you have to let go of that fear of not being enough, of not praying correctly, of not doing things correctly, because the truth is, is that love will teach you more effectively than anything ever could. And I think, you know, maybe this is kind of along the same lines of it. Um, maybe another misconception, maybe the same one, I don't know, is that um, God, what's his purpose for us? Mm-hmm. And I believe his purpose for us is to become something mm-hmm. our purpose is experiential not a, not to get things right you know it's not to not have all the right answers yeah. right yeah and so um and, and when the scriptures say that god tests us i just think what that is saying is god gives us this experience you know because only in a place of like um polarization and pulling can i have the actual like becoming experience mm-hmm. like i don't think it means like yeah. Okay, here's this experience. Make sure you get make sure you choose correctly in this. He's more interested in who we are becoming than like whether we're getting something right or totally. or wrong. And I think that is a, a and and you, you know what you're saying about that this fear, that's page 2 of the Bible. Mm. That's page 2 with Adam and Eve who um eat forbidden fruit and run and they hide. Mm-hmm. And then they try to cover it up. And then they start to blame, right, in that mm-hmm. story. And we have been mimicking them ever since. Mm-hmm. Running from God, hiding, covering it up, and blaming other people, yeah. um, each other. Instead of, like, I, I kind of want to insert dialogue into Genesis there <laughs> and have God say this. Yeah. Have God say, what did the devil teach you about me that you thought you needed to run, mm-hmm. hide, cover and blame Mm. like obviously you don't know who I am otherwise you would have never gone running like I'm I'm the solver I'm the fixer you know why are you like hiding it from so obviously from page two right Right. we are and we honestly have been mimicking that ever since it's almost as if Heavenly Father knew what we needed to hear right at the beginning (laughs) before we proceeded any further what's so cool is the comfort in knowing that when you understand that um, a term that we use is the plan of happiness Mm -hmm. or the plan of salvation when you understand that at a global sense what the plan is what his plan is which he's laid out he's told us in scripture and we know what that plan is. And part of that plan that is, is essential is the messing up on our part. Mm-hmm. Like we are supposed to mess up. And for me, just that remembrance of I'm supposed to screw up. Not I'm going to try to, but I just will. Mm-hmm. And you know who else will? My spouse, my children, my best friends, my coworkers, my employees, my yeah. everybody around me. We're all going to mess up. 
And there's such a comfort in remembering that that is the way it's supposed to be. And so instead of turning to the blame and the covering up and, and the running and the hiding and the shame, which is huge, what is it that you want us to remember about him? Yeah. And what do you want me to le- learn from this? You know, um, it, that, it comes back to the idea again of like, um, I believe God's bigger than this. And I believe he's big enough to weave even my own mistakes into just the tapestry of my life. Like mm-hmm. he can even turn them mm-hmm. for good. I don't, you know, he didn't want me to do hurtful things to myself and others, um, obviously. But he can, it's not damning, mm-hmm. you know, it can now become developmental. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just like, no, something good, can I can, I can turn, I can weave this in, I can turn it. You know, I think Adam and Eve are the prime example of that. Um, is that that moment with the fruit? Look what resulted because of that, and and I think that that is taking it back to that story. I'm going to go back and do some more more intensive study, study. Mm-hmm. and go back and revisit that. I haven't been in Genesis in a while, and I want to go back and revisit that to really study Adam and Eve and what we can learn from um, from the choices they made mm-hmm. and from how Heavenly Father responded and how how it all fits together because it does it mm-hmm. all fits together it all does it's so much bigger and those than be- us. those beginning story i think was written um not so much as history mm-hmm. but bible scholars call it imagistic um imagistic like, imagistic. Mm-hmm. like van gogh's starry night mm-hmm. is imagistic mm-hmm. that is not a picture of the night sky right. and it's not meant to be a picture of the night sky it's supposed to be an image of like i'm supposed to feel and learn I'm not getting a snapshot of history here. Right. I'm God's teaching me lessons almost in a, I think using real life historical people mm-hmm. to teach us a much grander like totally. me- message about about yeah. humanity. Even the beginning story, Genesis one, page one. So it's interesting. That's page two. Right. What's page one? Yeah. What's page? <laughs> what's page one is the creation story, mm-hmm. which is totally imagistic. Like if somebody mm-hmm. thinks that's a depiction of the creation of the world, they are going to have some like major right. intellectual conflict, you know, right. because <laughs> it is described as this flat earth with a dome mm-hmm. over the top that keeps the water from dropping down. Right. That's why ancient people thought like the sky was blue because it was water. Mm-hmm. They coupled together fish and birds because, well, fish swim up there. And birds swim down here. Mm. That's where the phrase windows of heaven came from. Because they thought, oh, if someone were to open the dome, some of that water would just pour down Mm. in. And then God could close the dome. You know, (laughs) like, obviously that's not how the world is. But God was not interested in teaching people, like, the creation. It was like, what was the message from creation story? And, And the message from creation story seems to be that you have this un filtered like unheld back gift of grace from god mm-hmm. day after day after day after day you know like it begins with the story of gifts love and grace it's like i will give this to you and i will give this to you mm-hmm. i will give this to you i will give and a lot of times we'll tell the creation story like this oh you work 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 then you rest mm-hmm. and it's like That's from God's point of view. God's point of view is, I will work, 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 work for you so that you can rest. Right? Because mankind's point of view in the creation story, they show up on day six. 
So the very first thing they experience is rest. Mm. To like rest in his presence and mm. to rest in that gift that he has just poured out again. And it's almost like here, 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 here. It's like now, do you want to enter into relationship with someone like that? And it's like, absolutely. I absolutely. So the very beginning of that story is one of like unabashed like goodness well that's why that's why you begin and end with grace oh, yeah. right that's why like with the, the person who made the comment does. to you yeah. i'm like that that's because it is grace through and through and over and again i honestly feel like at this point we could spend about 45 46 hours with david maybe like <laughs> yes. just, just i accept let's like, let's and just... i want you to because guess what i have to go back home to remember <laughs> all the children you. so i was like why should we not just keep this going is true. Well, we're sorry gonna have jenny get over here and we'll find a nanny no it's there's so much i want to talk about there's so much we could talk about and that's why that is why if you're feeling like me guys and you're listening and you're like, I want to sit at his feet and just listen to him. Explain oh, no, all these no, things. No. no, but I mean, learn from, but this is what we're here on earth for. I believe we all believe like we are here to help each other, to learn Absolutely. from each other, to love yeah. each other, to serve each other. And I feel served week after week after week by listening to you and Emily and watching you guys explain gospel principles, explain things about Jesus that I hadn't thought of before, explain things about scripture I hadn't thought of in that light before. Okay, so here's a question I'm imagining most people, no matter what situation you're in, what spirituality, religion, whatever your situation is, is where and how do I find God in this crazy, crazy world? Especially when a lot of people are not physically attending church exactly. right now. Right? Yeah. There's like, never been none more of us are. autonomy mm-hmm. and yet also more connection. And so how do we how do we hear him? How do we find him um, amid all of this? Wow. Um, I know it's a really small question. Yeah, just <laughs> a little, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought we were wrapping up. Um, <laughs> I know. And we go into the 47th <laughs> yeah. hour. Yeah. That's fine. I, uh, okay, I have two small thoughts. And um, one of them is this. I just spent the last couple, I, I teach um, professionally um, just scripture courses on a college campus. Um, and I just got finished teaching this course called World Religions. Mm. And so cool. it was a study of I all these. Uh, oh, I, mm. it changed me mm. to teach all of those world religions. And I started day one. Because I took the class twice mm. um, before I taught it. Because I was kind of like, I, I love the world and I love right. people and I love religion. So I'm sure that's why you asked me to teach this course. But do you know I have no like, yeah. <laughs> I do not have any like background in this. So I felt like I bet I like, so I took the course twice and I visited, um, you know, a, a mosque and a Sikh temple and the mm. Hindu temple and like, and, um, you know, the synagogue yeah. and I asked and I like just yeah. sat in their places and I, I just, that. and it was so good for me. Um, I walked away from that experience. Well, I was going to tell you my rule day one to everybody as they came into the class is like, we will compare best to best, you know, mm. in, in this class. And what we will do is, um, practice holy envy. We will, mm. we will look for the way other people worship and see if we can't implement that into our own mm. way of worshiping. Incredible. And what I learned from that experience as I walked away 
I told Jenny, you could walk away from the study of world religion with two conclusions. You really can. Because I flirted with both of them, naturally. Okay. Mm -hmm. One is, it's all a farce. Mm. We've all just made up a way to explain Everything. the world that we yeah. see around us. Sure. Or the other conclusion is that God is much bigger and more involved than we actually ever imagined. And I, amen. Yeah. And see, amen. Yeah, the real like the amen. Word. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> I, and I landed on B. Mm -hmm. I landed on B and I walked around and I, I left that and I said, he is more involved and in more places than I ever thought he was. I don't need to find him in a specific church. And as I looked at world religions, I thought, if there are so many multiple ways of relating to him, then there must be a multiplicity of ways he relates to us. And yes. he is reaching out to all of his children. And it's one of the impressions I had one time studying it, like almost one of those times in my life where I, I almost could say I heard God say, I will find a way to reach all of my children mm. because I was worried about it. I was worried. I was like, God, this world's so big. You're, how are you finding everybody? Did you, did you forget, like, how about China? Okay. Do you know how many people are there? <laughs> like, there are so many people there. And right. they, you know, there's no, you know, like mm. all these. And that's coming from a Christian point of view. It's like, there's no Christian. There's not hardly any Christian churches there. How are you finding people? Right. Yeah. And, the, and, and the answer was, oh, silly boy. Mm. <laughs> I will find a way to reach all of my children. And I think someone needs to believe that right now. It, wherever you are in the place that you are, that you can connect to God. And more importantly, God is seeking to connect with you um, at home, at work, uh, out in the normal, regular places. That is where he is. We as Christians have a belief in a God who was born in a barn. And to me, and who was crucified outside the city walls. And to me, that is a message from him is, is that you might be tempted to say, you can't find God in a place like this, you know, even here. And the answer is yes, even here in this unexpected place that you wouldn't have thought I would show up. In fact, he would say, that's where I do my best work mm -hmm. is in those places. And so, um, feel the wind, listen, um, the book of Ecclesiastes, no one reads that book, <laughs> but the, the, you know, the first three chapters start with, um, the writer asking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And then the fourth chapter, it shifts. And all of a sudden he asks, what do you want me to learn? And what do you want me to experience? And I think when someone like takes that trusting mm -hmm. role of like, okay, just what should we do? Mm -hmm. You know, then it just shifts. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of trying to blame the scorekeeper, it's like, oh, wait, I forgot. You're gen you're the Genesis one God. Mm -hmm. You know, and just be like, okay, mm -hmm. but and and just he will he'll reach out. You really feel like he that everybody can find him and hear him on a personal level. One hundred percent. I do not think he has a good old boys club. I think he's a father. You know, and I think he will and does. Um, I think God is always there. I just think it's our um, recognition that's maybe blocked. Mm 
mm-hmm. right? Like I, he's always available and I think he's always present. I just think it's our like perception that is, that just kind of needs to be cleared totally. up. Mm-hmm. Not his presence, mm-hmm. you know? Oh my goodness. I don't want to stop. Believe that. <laughs> Believe that. <laughs> Preach. Oh, I love it so much. Tell me, tell us where people can find you to get more of your insights and your thoughts on all of these things. Okay. Uh, you could go to my Instagram page. I like to use that as a as a pulpit. <laughs> it is. And it uh, is. You have these little sermons in one little, sentence structures. It's so beautiful. What's your Instagram handle? Um, it's called Mr. Dave Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, or we have our YouTube channel mm-hmm. um, with Emily Freeman called uh, Don't Miss This. And you don't um, want to miss this. You don't want to miss <laughs> it. Really and it. let me interrupt you there. So what Don't Miss This is, what, what's the best way to summarize it? I, I'd rather it come from you than from me. Because um, I could talk for days about what it means to me <laughs> on a personal level. But yes, what is um, it? In our um, faith community, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we move through books of Scripture each year and focus together as a church community on one particular book of scripture, the Old Testament one year, the New Testament one year. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we also have additional books of that we consider holy scripture. Um, the Book of Mormon, some people might be familiar with, is we... The Broadway musical. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's actually, we're studying, we're on Act 2, starting um, next week, I think, you know. Um, What's the best way to describe what the Book of Mormon is for those who might not understand if you this additional are, Yeah, if you are new to that, um, the Book of Mormon is super comparable to what the Bible is. Not a replacement, but we consider a companion uh, book of Scripture. The Bible was written in the world, the ancient world surrounding um, where Israel is, that promised land. And the Book of Mormon tells a story of another group of people who left that place and over in the Americas and kept a similar record of God's dealings among these people of an, of another nation. One of the things we believe about that script, that scripture that is beautiful to me is the existence of it is evidence that God loves the whole mm-hmm. world, that he will reach out to people in every corner of the world. Just the existence of, I think is, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's a record of their spiritual dealings and them trying to connect with and relate to God on another half of the earth. That's a short way to maybe (laughs) talk about it. Um, Yeah, it's hard to summarize, but you did a perfect job. And honestly, the subtitle of the Book of Mormon is Another Testament of Jesus Christ. That's literally what it is. It's another witness of our Savior. It's powerful. Right. And we all love it. It's all of our favorite book. And so with Don't Miss This, that is what with Emily? Okay, so we will then, um, we each week we teach from that book of scripture that our church has kind of like picked for that given year. Mm-hmm. And we've just moved through it, you know, sequentially mm-hmm. through the book and take chunks of scripture and just kind of share. It's called Don't Miss This because we think here are a couple things from this chunk of chapters that we don't think you want to miss. Mm-hmm. So it's not us we don't want you to miss. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when, someone, when someone asked me that once, they're like, isn't that a little bit like presumptuous? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, we're talking about the scriptures. We're talking about like, don't miss these like really And you guys, that is verses. literally, that. that's a perfect name for it because that is the experience that you have with it. And if you are curious, just look up don't miss this mm-hmm. on YouTube. Watch one episode. Pick one. Doesn't even matter. Draw out of a hat. I haven't missed a week this year. I've been much better this year than last year. 
And every week, it's not like you're listening to David and Emily just read the scriptures and explain what things mean. You get context and insights and things that help you to feel the scriptures come alive in a way that you hadn't thought of before. That's my experience. Well, and just a reminder, last year we studied the New Testament. So mm -hmm. if that's interesting, the year before that was the Old Testament. Go back. Go back. Go Mm -hmm. back and and look at what makes your heart sing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested in learning something more about the Book of Mormon this year, but if you were like, no, I just... What yeah. do you want to Stick say about the, the New Bible. Testament? Yeah. Yeah. Then go to next year. We'll be back in a future year for the Old Testament. Yes, you know, we will. Which oh, might I love be the a, Old Testament. I know. So do I. Can't wait. I actually <laughs> wanted to ask someone, can we just do that I next know. year? Because I really <laughs> want to do that. That's a good one. So good. Okay. And so, so you also have books. Uh, like yeah. anything else that people need to know about where to find you? Um, no, I think. The I, books. Yeah, oh, the books. Yeah. yeah the I've books. written yeah. Um, some books, so, you know, that I... Um, are they on Amazon? Yeah, they're on Amazon. That's what I was like, what's the easiest Amazon. place? Amazon's okay, always yeah. the easiest. Amazon, and we'll Amazon. go ahead and we'll link, um, we will link a bunch mm-hmm. of these things in the show notes so that you will have easy access to get the amazing works. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your gift. You have a way of breaking down scripture into the very plain, simple truth of God's love. And um, it has been really helpful for me in mm-hmm. in kind of helping me clear some of those barriers to be able to feel the wind better. Mm, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for being here. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings that you feel and most importantly, act on them. We love you. David loves you. Right, David? Yes, I do. (laughs) We're all cheering you on, and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Tell us what happened to your eye. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I won a game of spike ball. I like that he starts with you won. Victory! <laughs> Did you really what win, though? Well, Who actually won? Um, well, we were winning 8-7, to seven, and that's when the game ended. <laughs> um, it was ended uh, by default. Yeah. <laughs> ended by a black eye. An anger. It was an anger issue. On whose part? Who was angry at I you? I was not. Oh, my cousin. He was because angry we at you? we were winning. Yeah. Oh. He's a professional athlete, and he felt bad that a non-professional <laughs> athlete was winning against him. Sometimes the universe likes to just balance us out, yeah. <laughs> take us down just a notch. Sometimes we need to be humbled. It's fine. Right. Right. Were you humbled? I didn't need to be humbled. He, he was built up. He's the one who feels really bad about and he's going to feel extra bad when I sue him and build a pool <laughs> in my backyard. I think that is a I good like, lesson for all. I his contract is worth. <laughs> there you go. Disney, I'll forgive you. So. I'm just going to need a solid pool contract. David's microphone was backwards, I think. No, it wasn't. Okay. It was just turned around backwards on the table. So I'm like, I hope that he I turned it around. He'd... If yeah. not, but if it sounded the same, then it sounded the same. <laughs> and I literally was like, I'm not going to tell Becky till after because she'll throw. Right now, I'm no, going to go to the bathroom. No, you did the sound up. check. It sounds fine. Yeah. That's it. Like, it was. Be done. Trust yep. yourself. Trust the Lord. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so sick right now. This is why I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Okay. Wow. I. 
I don't know how he wouldn't have noticed no, it. No, I would have noticed it. You know I would have noticed it. The colors of these two glosses cultivate and good life. I mean, of course, right? Right. Keep <laughs> That was dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody needs some sleep. It's going to be great. Okay. 